Welcome back to Confessions from the Sidelines. I'm your host, Sarah L. Coward. Today's episode is a special one, and I am so excited to share my conversation that I had with Coach Rick with you today. Coach Rick is the former head football coach of the University of Georgia Bulldogs and the University of Miami Hurricanes. Not to mention, he was a longtime assistant coach for the Florida State Seminoles. He retired from coaching back in 2018 and now is currently a football analyst at the ACC Network. There are so many great things in this conversation today. I cannot wait for you guys to listen in. So let's get right to it. Coach Rick, how are you? Thank you for joining us today. Sarah, I'm doing great. I hope you are too. Yeah, doing very well. I'm super excited to have you on. I know you have a lot of things happening right now, um, including you're actually launching a book here shortly. Right. It's called Make the Call. Uh, it's a great uh, book, I think. It, you know, it was a book that I actually started to write as a coach at Georgia and uh, got into it uh, enough to realize I didn't have the, uh, the right amount of time you know, to put into a book like that. And uh, there's just too many balls, you know, going at the same time. And I decided let's, let's hold off on this thing. And then when I retired from coaching and then even after a heart attack I had last October, I figured like if, if I'm going to write a book, I better write it now. <laughs> it's too late. Yeah. But uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it was a lot of fun. Okay. And so what led you to say like, now's the time? I mean, obviously you had more time to sit down and write the book, but what really led you to the process of writing? Uh, The big thing was, uh, you know, a lot of people, they they listened to what the head coach has got to say for some reason. And uh, because of that, you know, you have an opportunity to, to reach people for a lot of different reasons. And, uh, you know, I wanted to, um, you know, tell some of the, stories that have happened on and off the field throughout my life and uh, it's mostly a memoir but there's some flashbacks in there but there's hopefully some good life lessons and uh, ultimately I want the receipt I want the readers to make the call for for Christ hopefully at the end yeah you know and I think that's what I love about hearing about your book is, you know, it's really going to help us and I'm going to put myself in that category too of just saying like how do we make these tough decisions? Because I know the students I work with, they are dealing with a lot. They're trying to navigate, what am I going to do for the next four to five years as they land playing either division one, division two, division three football or any other sport. And so how has your faith, as you've gone through some of these major life decisions, how has your faith really guided you through that? Well, I think the big thing is when I became a believer in 1986, um my goals changed dramatically it became one goal and that was to try to live a life that would be pleasing to god and you know it's a, it was a simple goal not necessarily easy but it was simple and uh so when it came to you know making decisions in life my goal was to try to decide something that i think god would be pleased with basically yeah you know so you know a lot of times you'll have time you might have a week you might have a month you might have you know, four hours or whatever to make a decision, you may have enough time to, you know, reflect and and pray about a certain decision. And I always felt like if I had peace about something, then it was time to make the decision. But sometimes you got to make a decision quick and uh, you hope that you're in the right frame of mind. You hope you're in the right spiritual frame of mind to make, to make the right call. And then, you know, I've also 
used as a guide that after you make, sometimes after you make a decision, uh, you have that buyer's remorse, so to speak, where you're like, maybe that wasn't such a good decision. And a lot of, a lot of that depended on how I felt when I put my head on the pillow at night. You know, you're laying there and you're thinking about what you did or what you decided. You're like, you know what, this is, this is not good because it's one thing to make a decision. It's another thing to start to live it out. And sometimes if you know darn well, you made a mistake and uh, all it takes is a little bit of uh, humility to say, Hey, I blew it. And we're going to, I'm changing my decision. I can't, but sometimes decisions are the kind you can't change. So then you got to make the best of it. Yeah. And, you know, and I think now um, how our student athletes are navigating this whole recruiting process, they are making decisions daily about what that looks like for them. And right. they're, they're really kind of figure out, okay, how do I stand out in this recruiting process? How do I make these decisions? So what, what do you think that our student athletes now today can really do to start standing out or even help them make some of those difficult decisions? Right. Well, the first thing I think everybody's got to understand is there's a lot of different levels of sports, uh, you know, in football and in particular that I deal with all the time. I mean, there's definitely power five schools, group of five schools, you know, division two, II, division three, NAIA. I mean, there's, there's all kind of different, there's prep school, junior college. I mean, <laughs> so, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, these guys think, oh, I got to play division one or I'm not going to be happy, but uh, it's really not true that the best thing to do is to be uh, on a team where you have the best chance of playing, because if you don't play, it's not going to be any fun. And, uh, you know, so you want to get to a school where uh, you got a chance, you have the best opportunity to play and, and, you know, become a leader on that football team. I know my son, John, he started out at Clemson and he was there about a year and uh, there was a coaching change there. And, and he also, you know, after being there a year, he realized that he probably wasn't going to get a chance to play anytime soon, if ever. And so he said, Dad, I want to I want to make a change. And I said, all right, you, you can make a change one time. But if you make it twice, you know, I'm, I'm not going to back it up as much because <laughs> maybe because things get tough, you decide you want to leave. But, uh, you know, he moved to a smaller division school, Mars Hill College, became a four year starter, uh, became one of the leaders of the program and. Uh, ended up getting married in college and the whole thing. It was a great college experience for him, even though in the beginning he thought D1 was the only way to go. Yeah, and I and I think that's a lot of times parents think, oh, and students too think, well, D1 is the only place that I can get scholarships. That's the only place right. that financially can move me forward. And we both know, having been in the world of college athletics, that actually isn't the case. Right. And Well, what happened with John actually at Mars Hill was – because he got married, he, he was off of our our tax returns, so to speak. So he was an individual taxpayer, and he was broke. So he got full pill. <laughs> so that helped that helped pay for his school. So uh, the same thing was true for his wife. Yeah, and I, and I think when we look at it across all boards, and we look at where do these students fit, because you know, it's, we want them to make the right decision. We want them to make the call that's going to fit best for their lives. And so what is one thing when you were sitting with students in recruiting meetings that you would encourage them as they were going through this decision-making process? Well, I think the big thing is to understand that, you know, there's not one perfect place. Uh, it might, you know, if you're looking for the perfect place, 
uh, you're never going to find it because it's just it doesn't exist. And so uh, wherever you decide to go, uh, you need to make the best of it. You need to uh, understand that things aren't always going to go your way, that you got to compete. And, uh, you know, like for my son, John, it, it turned out to be a good thing for him to make that move. But if you move every time something comes up that's uncomfortable, you know, when he got to Mars Hill, things weren't perfect either. I mean, he was used to traveling a certain way, he was used to eating a certain way, he was used to training a certain way, and things were different at that level of ball, you know? So he knew that he had to uh, make the best of it, and he did. And so I think, you know, once everybody understands, like, like even distance, like some people think you gotta go away, far away from home to become your own man or become your own woman. But, you know, I, was a, I grew up in Boca Raton, Florida, went to the University of Miami, which was like an hour down the road. But I can promise you, my mom and dad didn't show up to campus every day and get in the, get in the way of me being independent. Right. But it was nice that I could, at, on occasion, bring a, bring a load of laundry back home and get a nice meal. You know, <laughs> right. So, I, you know, I had the best of both worlds. But some guys think you got to go across the country. I've seen so many more guys come back home from a decision they decided to go across country then then just then leave a, a school that was close to home and go further away. I've never really seen guys do that. They, they usually migrate back That's where right. family. Yeah. Well, and I think too, you know, you've talked about like making those tough decisions, like things aren't always going to be perfect when you land. And that was your story as a college athlete. Oh, yeah. When you landed at Miami, like you expected to be the starter. The man. Oh right. yeah. That was my I was going to start as a freshman and be all American my second year. And when the highs of my third year go pro after that, and then this guy named Jim Kelly showed up <laughs> in my same class, and he started living my life. So, right, uh, I did a lot of learning, uh, learning the hard way. But you know, I, I actually uh, went to my coach, Coach Schnellenberger, and said one spring that I'm transferring out of there, and uh, you know, because I thought there was no hope. And um, talking about making decisions. Uh, he said, well, if you change your mind, let me know. Cause it was just that time of year, there was time. So, uh, I started to live out that decision for about a week and I didn't feel good about it. I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't come here to quit. I, you know, I'm going to battle, you know, there's two things I could control. And that's my attitude and my effort. So I'm going to, I'm going to do the very best I can and have a good attitude about it. And if, if things break my way, great. But if they don't, you know, I'm, I'm willing to live with that. So. I think it was the best decision I made for me. I never did win the starting job while Jim was playing there, at least was while he was healthy. One time he got hurt and I started a few games, but, um, but I, I, I grew up, I grew up. I didn't get my way all the time. I had to battle through, uh, you know, tough times and, and it, it helped me grow as a person, helped me grow as a man. We're interrupting today's episode to take a minute to thank our sponsor, CB Supplements. CB Supplements is a multi-collagen protein powder, meaning it contains all five types of collagen from four animal sources. Not to mention, it's the first and only multi-collagen protein powder NSF certified for sport and supported by Dr. Kate. One thing I love about CB Supplements is that it comes in unflavored and in three delicious flavors, chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry lemonade. You won't find a cleaner multi-collagen supplement out there. So head on over to cbsupplements.com and grab yours today. 
Be sure to enter the code Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at checkout for $5 off. And then that actually didn't stop for you either. Like you continue to experience that in the NFL oh, yeah. as well. Well, yeah, you know, I, I thought I was going to get drafted, which I didn't. Became, became a free agent. Went to the Denver Broncos, and the day I signed my contract, there was a news flash on the television. Uh, John Elway had just been traded from the Colts to the Denver Broncos. So I tried to get out of that contract, which I couldn't. It was too late. So I, la- I, made it, I lasted about a week in camp before they cut me and then uh, tried a few odd jobs and became a, actually was running cars at, at a ballet at the Boca Raton Hotel Club. And, you know, you do a lot of running if you want to make money. And I realized I was in the best shape of my life. I said, I got to try out one more time and call my agent. He, he basically said he did, didn't want to represent me anymore because I was costing him money. So he fired me. So I got a buddy of mine who wanted to be an agent. He, he actually wrote all the NFL teams and the Dolphins picked me up. So I, I remember being in the locker room, seeing my number nine in, in the locker, locker room. Uh, they had my high school and college number in there, but two numbers down, four numbers down, number 13 had Marino in that. So we, I had Jim Kelly, John Elway, Dan Marino ahead of me. And uh, I always like to say I was the fourth best quarterback in the world at the time. <laughs> Nobody knew but me and my mom. That's, a, <laughs> that's awesome. But I think like that, that just shows when we think about our student athletes and they're thinking, I want to make a quick decision. I'm ready to transfer. Um, yeah. I'm, if like, oh, the division one school is not offering me. So now I'm just not going to play. Right. You know, that in itself, you know, as we look at this, what are some things students can do as they go through this decision-making process or even how can parents encourage their student as they hit all these roadblocks? Yeah, well, again, I I don't think college sports is for everybody, Mm -hmm. but if there's a burning desire to do that, then there's a way. Uh, It might be even as a walk-on in a program. I mean, I've been coaching... Uh, I coached 35 years in college, and I can't tell you how many walk-ons either eventually earned scholarships and ended up playing in the NFL or just had the life lessons and the life experience of being on that team. And the association with that team Mm -hmm. paid huge dividends down the road in the business world. You know, I mean, no one plays sports forever. And really, it's an opportunity to, you know, get your education paid for and still do the thing you love. But in the end, you know, you got to make a living doing something else. Even the greatest NFL players, uh, you know, they're most of the, a lot of those careers last two, three, four years. And then they got the rest of their life. They got to do something else. So, you know, use it as a stepping stone, but not as, you know, you're going to live and die on whether or not you get that scholarship or not, or whether you, you know, play pro sports. Yeah. And I I think that's such a, like, just wise words of wisdom there, because, you know, when students are thinking, oh, I'm going to take it to the next level, you know, the statistics actually show that only 7% of high school athletes altogether play college sports, but then it even takes that one step further. Only 1% end up taking their sport pro. Right. I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, I've seen so many great players that didn't make it for whatever reason. And one of the things you can't control is injury. So you might be a first round draft pick, potentially get hurt, get to the point where you're not what you used to be. And, you know, you hate to say it, but 
once you don't have that skill level anymore, then the NFL doesn't have a need for you anymore. But I can say this, all the things that I did as a player, all the things that I learned as a quarterback, I thought all those things were preparing me to play in the NFL. But as God had it, he was preparing me to be a coach. And uh, so all, all that time was redeemed in the end. I stayed at Miami under Howard Schnellenberger, who brought the Miami Dolphins system to college football. That system allowed me to move up in the coaching ranks because I had the knowledge that a lot of people didn't have, never experienced. So even though I didn't play, I was a good student of the game. I learned everything I could. And in the end, it, it blessed me in my coaching career. Well, and, and that's really and truly, as you were making that transition into coaching, landed you at Florida State. Right. As a GA. A graduate assistant coach yeah. at Florida State, no doubt. And, you know, Coach Bowden recruited me out of high school, Coach Bobby Bowden. And, uh, but I, I played at Miami, or at least I was on the team at Miami. <laughs> the Hurricanes, you know, a rival. You know, Miami and Florida State rivalry was crazy back in those days. And uh, me knowing what I knew from the Miami system and going to Florida State, I mean, I never would have got that graduate assistantship if I didn't stick it out, you know, at Miami and, and have the knowledge that Mike could help Florida State down the road. Yeah. Which is saying, you know, that's that's part of my story, too, is I, I grew up in a really small town. And, you know, looking at what were the advantages of playing sports in college, no one really played women's soccer <laughs> from our little small town. And, you right. know, I had a chance to play at a junior college. And what, yeah, what happened there was it really taught me of taking that to the next level, working in college athletics, coaching a high school soccer team. And I think that's really, truly what you're sharing as well is all of these moments and all of these things that happen they are going to have an impact on your life long-term. Right. You know, it's just, uh, we got to take advantage of every day. We got to be thankful for them to begin with. But, uh, you know, we honor God, in my opinion, by doing the best we can. Colossians 3.23 is a life verse of mine. It's, it says, whatever you do, do you work heartily unto the Lord? H-E-A-R-T-I-L-Y means, you know, you know, I'll say this. I think too many people worry too much about what, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? Well, I think he is more worried about not so much what we do, but how we do it and who we do it for. So the verse says, whatever you do. So it doesn't say, hey, you have to be this or that. It's like, whatever you do, do your work the best you can and do it unto me, meaning God, rather than men. And the thing about that part of the scripture is, if your accountability is to God, we know he sees it all. If our accountability is just a man. then you know, when the boss isn't watching, what are you going to do? You know, mm -hmm. you know, slack around because someone's not watching you. Well, if you're, if you truly love God and want to honor him, you're going to live in such a way that he'll be pleased. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's so true. And that's in everything that we do. And that's something, you know, with our students, when they are going to class and they're taking that exam or they're preparing for that next level, even athletically, is truly seeking after the Lord and doing it for him. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about. Because in the end, and I can vouch for that because I, I was just moments away from death. And when I had that heart attack, uh, there's only one thing that's going to be important at that moment. And that's where, where are you going? 
That's right. And uh, That's right. I had peace that I knew where I was going and it was a good place. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Well, coach, you know, our podcast is called Confessions for the Sidelines. And since that's the name of the podcast, what is your favorite memory of standing on the sidelines? Uh, my favorite memory was, um, don't want to get too carried away with this, but uh, <laughs> at Miami year two, we played Notre Dame at home and they were ranked real high and uh, we were undefeated at the time and people were still down us and we just beat the brakes off those guys really bad. And my son, John is usually up in the booth, but we were beating him so bad that he could leave the, leave the booth in the middle of the fourth quarter and come down to the sidelines. So, so it was just a moment when me and him got to enjoy that victory together on the sideline. Oh, that's awesome. Such a great, great memory. Well, coach, thank you so much for being here, sharing about everything. And, you know, I want to make sure that our listeners know where they can pick up your book. So where is the best place for them to grab that? Uh, Well, there's a website, makethecallbook.com, all one word, makethecallbook.com. Or just Amazon, uh, you you can find it there too. So it comes out August 31st, but you can pre-order today. Perfect. Well, we will be sure to link all of that in the show notes for everybody. And Coach Rick, thank you so much for being here with us today. All right, Sarah. Have a good day. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Confessions from the Sidelines. I absolutely love hearing from former coaches. I don't know about you, but they bring so much wisdom to the journey of becoming a college athlete. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to rate and review the show and don't forget to share it with your favorite student athlete so that they can hear all of these nuggets and get ready to take their athletic game to the next level. And until next time, I'll be cheering you on from the sidelines.